Alright everybody, welcome to another episode of Cube and Chaos. I'm Jakob and with me is as always Max aka Finite MTG. And today we are having a very special guest, a real Cube celebrity. With us today is Jonathan Brosdorf, aka Team J Bro. Hey, welcome, welcome. So we always have really awesome guests on our show, but today, I mean, yet another instance of that. J Bro is super positive, uh, kind of ubiquitous force in the Cube community, always on top of the Magic Online leaderboards, um, always promoting Cube, possibly the one person who loves Cube more than anyone else in the world. I don't know if that's <laughs> something yeah. that can be uh, awarded to someone, but if it's true of anyone, it could easily be true of him. Yeah, you're the front runner. I'll take it. <laughs> Very often we start by uh, letting our guests introduce themselves by talking about their signature spellbook, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you really need introduction, but still I would uh, love to hear if you have some, some cards ready for us that are special to you. Sure. Um, yeah, this was a really interesting request when you guys first made it and kind of dropped it in the request for guests. So I, I like it a lot. I think it's a really cool idea. Although it's probably going to change for me depending on the week and the mood I'm in. But I tried to get, you know, you said about eight or nine, you know, good cards that that represent you well. So I tried to get some ones for this week. We'll see if they work out. But I have no particular order for these. So good. I'll, yeah, I'll just start from the bottom of I just draft up a little list and talk about each one a little bit. So I'll start off with Manowar, which was from Visions, one of the original 187 creatures, as we call them, a creature with a come-to-play effect or ATB ability. And this is, you know, something that has a lot of nostalgia for me. And I remember when Necrotal and, you know, Manowar and all these, you know, types of creatures first came into existence. And they were like, well, on summons pretty good. You know, it's like one mana, return a creature to your hand. And then Grizzly Bear is just a 2-2 two -two for two mana. So how about will you know jam them both together and put them on one card and that's you know pretty good rate so i was like all right let's check that out and mana war is just such a good tempo card and it's really good and you know teamer blue green it's just you know you can do a lot of funky stuff yourself you can bounce your own eternal witness to get your time walk back or whatever so i like its flexibility i like its rate but it also brings a lot of nostalgia to me and it's a great cube card yeah it's really a Old card has held up well, I would say. Yes, absolutely. Sure. Oldie but a goodie. Yes. And not from like, and not one of those old, like, you know, not from like Alpha, not, not in the sense of like a Time Walk or a Mox or something. It's, it's one of the older cards, but you can still rock it in a current cube and it still holds up as power. But not one of those when they used to have just like the super duper powerful and everything else, you know like the Grey Ogres and Time Walk in the same pack. This is one where, <laughs> you know, you can... It was a little more balanced by Visions, but um, yeah, so I, I like it for that reason as well, is it came during an era when a lot of stuff by this point is kind of phased out from then, but yeah, Man of War holds up. I love it. And so next we'll go with Flame Slash, which is, yeah. I think, quietly one of the best red cube cards you can have for what i like to do you know and it's very flexible it's good in aggro decks it helps your you know 
two one monkey creatures get through. It's good and <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's good in slow decks. It can knock out something as you know, it can take out all sorts of big daddy fatties with up to four butts. So it's like it's just very flexible. It's so efficient. And I think one of the key concepts, and I know I think it was Michael Flores who talked about this a while ago. But one of the key concepts is like mana value in magic and like the, you know, just being able to do something for less than your opponent did. In other words, if your opponent casts a 4-4 four, for four, 4 and you knock it out with a 1 mana spell, you're up 3 mana in that exchange, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, all things being equal, like of course there's ETB effects or maybe that 4-4 four, four killed your planeswalker or whatever, but... But in general, you know, it's I like that concept of rate and man efficiency. And there's few spells that are as powerful, as quietly powerful as Flame Slash. And often in Cube, I find them. I find Flame Slash specifically going way too late. So I want to use this to highlight it a little bit. So I'll say Flame Slash. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean that's a great one. You pointed out the rate and efficiency, and I think those are pretty much the two biggest things it has going for it. We don't really see cards like that printed anymore in terms of. You know, that kind of rate, I imagine, nowadays it would need something like Delve, but I guess you probably wouldn't get that in red. I guess, no, we did have Magmatic Sinkhole, right, in Modern Horizons, so that was, that's kind of similar, I guess, but not quite the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have the new, what is it, Unholy Heat? Is that the new ah. card um, with Delirium? It's, yes. It goes in a similar direction, I would say. It's a little, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it takes a little bit more work, but it's got a much higher ceiling. One, being able to bink Planeswalkers. And two, I mean, six is way more than four. But, you know, the Delirium is no joke. Plus, you can be in a situation, you know, Delirium can also be a little tricky because an ooze could mess up those plans, for example. Or yeah. it's not as, uh, as cut and dry, but it's certainly got a higher ceiling. It's a great addition. I like that card a lot as well. But for my money, Flame Slash gets it done. Yeah, so I, I sense like a, um, a starting theme here. Let's see how it's going on. The theme I'm seeing is you are naming powerful cards that have like very clean design. So let's yes. see if that trend continues. <laughs> well, we're going to mix it up a little bit um, next with uh, Smokestack, which Ooh. is a four mana artifact for those who aren't familiar. And it, each upkeep, you can do an action to add a counter to it, and then for each counter that's on it, whoever's turn it is will sacrifice a permanent. And so this is a card that's very near and dear to me because my, the first and only Pro Tour I played in, Pro Tour Chicago in 98, played a Smokestack deck, and it was a blast. But yeah, it's, it's got nostalgia reasons. But I think it's also just a really interesting, great cube card that takes a lot of work and... And it's a great example of one of the principles in Cube that I think is often misunderstood, especially for people who are new getting into it, which is anything that appears symmetrical is not symmetrical. So Upheaval is another good example of this, or Armageddon, or Smokestack. Anything that's like, you know, it happens to both players, you do this, you do that, well, Smokestack ain't really like that, or uh, Tangle, whatever it's called, the three-man artifact. Tangle you know, Wire. Yeah, Tangle Wire, like Smokestack's like, you know, one your opponent sacrifices first, and two, um, you are in charge of how many counters go on it. And aside from that, you can also build around it with things like, you know, Rancor or other ways to advantage yourself so it's less symmetrical. But it's such a good example of anything. Anytime you see a card in cube that appears symmetrical, it, it is not symmetrical, and it's probably really powerful. 
but that's often something I think if you're new to the cube scene, you might be like, oh, this stinks. Like, wait, we both have to like lose all of this or lose all of that. It's like, ah, oh, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one thing built into it that can be a little bit frustrating for new players, I guess, is that you really need to know and be careful with how you stack your triggers because sure. that is what inherently makes the card already asymmetrical because your opponent's always sacrificing first if you order them correctly. Because like you first say, oh, I'm sacrificing equal to the number of, of, of counters, and then I'm adding one. And then when the opponent's turn comes, they have to sack already. And then in your next turn, you sack just one and then add the second counter. So that's normally how the player pattern goes. And it's, yeah, it's a, a really cool card. Hard to make work in high power environments, but certainly not for every environment. I think this card can really also be a bit oppressive. The other cards can't keep up. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I was gonna say Tangle Wire is one of the cards from my signature spellbook. So Smokestack, I mean, as uh, Gabriel mentioned, like there is quite a bit of similarity there. And yeah, it is it's somehow like not quite as strong in like the vintage cube environments as it used to be, I feel like, but it's still a pretty powerful and yeah, like Jakob said, potentially oppressive card. And well and I, th- yeah. I I think it also depends on the layout of the cube, right? Like, for example, if you have cards like Goblin Wilder, both the readies, etc., that changes yep. the math, right? Or if you have braids in, you know, and you have other things that can sync with it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it. I think it just depends on on the cube makeup. And I agree. In this latest iterations of the vintage cube, it's definitely. Although the other thing to keep in mind is with fast mana, it gets way better too, right? In yeah. other words, a turn two smokestack is very different than a turn three or turn four smokestack, right? Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, so that's something to keep in mind. And also, the other thing is with smokestack, it's uh, it's similar. Uh, another thing to consider with it is it can be similar to like I don't know if like upheaval is a good example, but like Armageddon or something where it's like you can just uh, you can in there are situations where you're just going to want to wipe everything, where you're just going to get it to a situation where you want to keep adding those counters and keep binking everything, and eventually, you know, you're both going to reset, but then you get initiative. You get to play your land. You get to play your one drop or whatever. Like, it's, yeah, anyway, I, I think very highly of that card. That's true. That's a good observation, too. Like, most wraths and things like that don't let you do that, and I guess that's why something like upheaval, like you mentioned, is so good, right? Because without that initiative... And like the ability to float mana, stuff like that. It'd be mm-hmm. so much worse. Exactly. Okay, so next let's go with I can't remember the name. I, I should have looked it up, but the Domri that fights. The three mana Domri that fights. Um let's see, what is it? Anarch of Chaos, maybe? Something like that. Yeah, I think so. Or wait. I have it in my arena cube deck Might currently. Yeah, Anarch of Bolas. Oh, okay. Domri Anarch of Bolas. Okay, let's read those stats. The Domri Rod also fights. <laughs> Which is the one that's the three mana one? They're both three mana. Anarch of Bolas is for one red and a green uh, planeswalker with three loyalty, has a static ability that pumps your creatures by one yes. power. And okay. for an uptick, you gain a red or a green mana, and creature yes. spell can't be countered this turn. And for a minus, you let a creature fight control. For two minus, right? Or two minus. Yeah. Yes, that's, that's, my, that's my jam. I think that card is fantastic. So, so, so good. That's one of my favorites. 
And it's, it's, I, I want to bring it here because I want to highlight the power of gruel and the importance of gruel, which often, especially in cubes, only I think next to Selesnia gets overlooked in most cubes. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's, it's kind of the quintessential gruel card. It does, it's, it's three things about it that are absolutely fantastic and make it absolutely first pick, first pack type card. One is it's a three mana planeswalker. Any three mana planeswalker is a Jimmy Jam right off the bat because anytime you're developing additional value for no mana each turn, it's just fantastic. Two, in Gruel decks specifically, in green decks in general, in Gruel decks specifically, there's kind of, in Cube, I kind of have like, I don't know if it's a heuristic or like a personal philosophy on it, but I call it kind of like, you know, my, my, you know, J-Bro math of like one, three, five. Okay. Which Mm -hmm. means, you know, turn one, you get out, you know, your elf off the shelf. Turn two, you get something like a Domri. So you go one to three to five, you know, getting out whatever, you know, a ooze that's making other ooze or, or, you know, squirrel guy or whatever, like, you're just so far ahead at that point. So one, three, five. And in general, too, you know, that's if, if you're going turn one mana ramp into a turn three mana ramp into a turn five spell, like that's it, it's also a good way to kind of like build your mana base when you're first developing your decks. And your stuff at your two slot is just not powerful enough. And even some of the mana ramp at two, you know, I try to I try to really emphasize the one as much as possible. And stuff at your four slot, with some exceptions, really isn't getting it done either. You know, it's really great to be able to go one, three, five. And Domri is kind of like the perfect example of that. You know, it's it's such a great gruel representative. Also, Antheming your whole or Orcish Oriflaming, I guess, your whole board is absolutely fantastic. But especially so when you're in gruel and you often have lots of little one one dinkers, you know, putzing around. Uh, all your mana dorks getting plus one plus oh, that's not nothing. That's literally twice as much power as they was walking around with beforehand. And then on top of that, being able to have the ability of not having your, your creature spells countered is huge. It's yeah, quite, you know, knowing that five will go through. Exactly. Exactly. A hundred percent. And that also allows a very different line of play as well, where you don't ever have to worry about, oh, like, do I need to make a less optimal line because this might get counted and I really want that and is my hoof going to get through you know or should I wait for another turn or whatever whatever and then the last part about it obviously is uh, you know also equally impressive being able to have reusable removal in a and especially so in a color combination when you're often going to have big daddy fatties with your green creatures you're going to have your four mana five five pelucranos type stuff or whatever so it just, yeah, I mean, I think it's just such a great representative of all the best Gruel can offer your cube. And often, again, I think the second most overlooked two-mana color combination, you know, this is all the easy-peasy first pick, first pack. Oh, and one more thing. It's also really good because you're in token-making colors. Now, usually people think of Selesnya as the token-makers, but actually for most cubes, it's often Gruel because you have Biogenic Ooze, you have squirrel maker uh, creatures, the two, the two hermits. You have, but my favorite is you have the other three mana spells, Goblin Rabble Dabble and the other one, Goblin something boss or whatever. So, you know, being yeah, able to... Siege Gang. Also yeah, Siege Gang. Command, 
Exactly. So you're already in colors that are producing tokens, they're producing fatties, and that want to go one, three, five. So it's like, yeah, it's just a chef's kiss of a first pick. And I think it's a fantastic rule card. And I think it's also nice because it often goes super late in cubes. And so, you know, sometimes you can just pick it up where it's like, wow, this pack one pick one just got to me. So, yeah. So, yeah. Also, like if you open it and have the elf with it, you just take the elf and right. really hope you can wheel it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So not if I'm at your table, but yes, in general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now we know now that won't work yeah. anymore. But <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I love Love that Domri, so fantastic. It's really funny at the start when you said like, you know, the three mana one that fights something and like there are two. And <laughs> I was like, I guess there's just not enough Domri design space, but you've really sold me on this one in particular. Like I, I was a little skeptical at first. This is not a card I've really seen do very much, but no, I mean, in that red green, like one, three, five token shell, it does sound like it's a pretty powerful effect. Yes, exactly. Next, I'll go with Mangle Dangle, another green card. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorites of all time. Uh, this is one that I personally like a lot. Early on when newer cards are introduced, sometimes I, I, I have a, a pretty good sense of how much of an impact they can have. And sometimes I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong, everyone. But with Mangle Dangle, you know, I think it was spot on. And this is specifically in cubes that have you know, uh, signets or the pain signets. Both abilities are just so fantastic. Being able to have your opponent's mana rocks come into play tapped, it's like, it's not a time walk, that's, that's an incorrect term for it, but it's such a huge tempo swing, and it yeah. so disrupts their plan. On top of that, being able to have an ETB effect on a creature is great. You know, obviously recurring nightmares, stuff like that. You know, blinking it, whatever. And it's, it's got two toughness, unlike its, it's uh, enchantment blowing up brother. So, yeah, I just love me some Mangle Dangle. I think it's fantastic. It's, I just got a new emote where my Mangle Dangle is breakdancing. So if you check out my stream, <laughs> you'll see it. Um, but yeah, I love that card. What do you guys think? I know that you've been championing it early on. You you had the the emote for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I think they have cut it from the vintage though in some recent iteration, right? Mm. It's a bit sad. I have I've not seen it for a while. Mm. So yeah. yeah, do you you have your own cube? Like you said earlier, you you've been cubing back before the pandemic a lot. It's still in there, right? The mangled angle. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Right, I've got so, quite a few cubes. He, yeah. he makes an appearance in many, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Speaking of uh, Jabro's stream, twitch.tv slash teamjabro, if any of you aren't following, make sure to go give Jabro a follow. He is just about the best, you know, cube content creator you can find. Um, and... Yeah, and always a great mood on that stream. Like, <laughs> you go there and you, you, you start smiling. There's just no other way. <laughs> That's very true. Um, and yeah, the mangled angle, I don't know. So, I mean, you mentioned Rexage, right? Uh, kind of implicitly. Do you think that this is a better card than Rexage or like, would you pick it more highly? I'm curious. Uh, yes. I mean, it, in general, it depends on obviously, you know, if there's signets, if there's the pain signets, you know, it depends on the nature of it, but in general, yes, for sure. Like I said, I mean, the the tempo swing of having stuff you know and it's not just that it's also 
you know, your Sunder Dunders. It's also the 5-3. You know, it's, it's, it's all those things. Sometimes people think, oh, I'm going to get my, you know, mere battle ball and, you know, going to save the day. It's like, oh, yeah, wait, that comes to play tap two. Oh, I guess I'm dead. You know what I'm saying? Like, or, yeah. you know, they want to get something slick in with like sneak attack it or something like that. It's like, it, it just covers so many bases. And, and a lot of those effects that it kind of like narsets a little bit like that but a lot of those um effects are kind of like in the background and like you kind of forget about until they're relevant they they really (laughs) do have you know they they, there's there's significant uh impact there even if it's not always apparent you know a little bit more sophisticated secret reach right it kind (laughs) of reminds me of like you know, when I was a lifeguard, it's like nothing ever happens on shift. Like you don't do anything. You just sit and pull your counting heads and going back and forth and, you know, being on edge the whole time. But when something does happen, it really happens. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like yeah. when Mangle Dangle, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, it's just a 2-2, whatever, beaten down. It's like, oh, yeah. All right, sneak attack. I'm going to get my mirror battle ball in. going to swing in for lethal for 12. And it's like, oh, wait, they all come to play tapped? It's like, oh, okay. So anyway. Just that sort of that sort of thing. Gotcha. All right, let's move forward with our next one. Right, I think it goes without saying, uh, but Ganti is Ganti could be anything, you know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> could All be right. about finally somebody loving that card as much as uh, the Twitch chat. I've often heard complaints by streamers that people love it way too much. But oh man, it's like uh, it's it does it's 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 something it's it's not. It, it's it's one of my favorite, most enjoyable cards. And it the, your experience may vary depending on which type of cube you're playing. For example, in a cube that's more combo-oriented, like, you know, uh, Vintage can have more misses sometimes because yeah. a lot of the cards in Storm decks might not be as applicable. Um, or the recent Classic Cube, where there's a lot, lot of A-B combos. Right, exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, so your mileage may vary depending on the build of the cube, but in general, you know, it's just fantastic. And it's actually one of the stars of my of one of my cubes, one of my favorite, and one of the best nights I ever had playing it was when I was able to deck my opponent with Ganti. <laughs> wow, one card at a time. Yep. Ex- well, and not only that, but you can't hit. You know, you're not hitting land. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, you're it's you really got to work for it because you know most of the time you know landing do nothing for you. It's not generating extra value, so you got to really work at it. So I'm like, you know, I I just basically built a deck around just being able to like blink, reanimate, you know, da da da, and get a bunch of mana generated. So I was able to and have certain things that do it for you know that do it for no mana chance. So I was able to basically like three or four times in one turn, and also I had stuff in my opponent's deck that could blink it. So anyway. I was just, yeah, it was, it was luckily an opponent who did not concede when they realized what was going on, but we were able to deck our opponent with Ganti, and that was one of my best magic experiences of all time. It was pretty hard not to concede from that spot, but it also sounds so sweet to pull it off. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, I mean, the death touch is relevant. Uh, it's a legend, so you can crocus it back. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it's... Uh, it's black, so it's already in the reanimates color. It's it's something that it's it's just fun for everyone, and it's also like you know it gives you information about your opponent's deck, which you know there's some benefit to that. And it's just great. It's got a three butt, not a two butt, which is relevant. Four man is you know a lot for some people when you talk about all that you can do for two black black in a cube, but 
for my money, Gonti's one of my favorite of all time. Have Have y'all had any good Gonti experiences? Oh, for sure. I've played it Gonti. a bit. Yeah. yeah, the double black is something that often scares me away a bit. I too often dabble in too many colors in in cubes where it where it's in. In the mm-hmm. arena cubes, it's often also in, and there it's super powerful because those are often very very value oriented and. Uh, both halves of the card really are strong there, so they are more likely to play it than uh, in Vintage or Legacy Cube on uh, MTGO. But it's a cool card for sure. It could be anything, right? As you as you start, it with, could be it's anything. Exactly that's, that. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite pieces of it. It's like it could, yeah, it could a be a boat. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's ever cool. Who knows? Like it's anything. And also, one of the best things about Ganti. <laughs> One of the best things about Ganti is when you can disrupt your opponent's combo with it. When you can take their tendrils, you know, they're going off, and then they search your deck, and they're like, oh, wait. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's one of my favorite pieces of it. All right, showing up the list, we got two more quick. I'll go through Lightning Greaves. I think, again, Quietly is probably the most, one of the most underrated cube cards of all time. I think it especially shines for green and white decks in that order. Actually, white-green in that order. Um, it's obviously really good with Burmaz, you know, turn two, turn three. It's also quite good with the, the um, four-mana version of Burmaz, uh, Hero Bladehold. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, that, you're just on Gravy Street. You know, like, that. If, if you get that out, you're just, you know, bang, bang, bang in the chicken wang. But mm-hmm. white also has a myriad of cool evasive cards that have high impact when they connect, such as Baneslayer Angel, the other Baneslayer Angel... Um, Archangel of Thrawn, etc. So, yeah. like, one of the things it can do in a white deck is really swing the tempo, especially when you're getting beat down, you're trading back and forth, and then you get to that turn five, and you're like, all right, I gain five, you lose five, now we're back in this, and you can't even, you know, char and bolt my five five down. You know, the giving it shroud is huge too. So, also, obviously, I think it's really, really good in green, especially with Garga Darga Barga, the yeah. six six. You know, Garga. being able, yeah, being able to go like turn one birds, turn two, you know, land, you know, land birds, then land lightning greaves, then whatever, and go turn three like six six, you know, smashing in there. You know, often that's just game right there. And it's got Vigilance. So I think that, in, that card made Lightning Greaves even better. But I think Lightning Greaves in general is just one of the greatest, most unsung heroes of the cube. And I often see it going way too late. And I will say that the first Vintage Cube uh, where I was off to the races and was the leaderboard leader, the trophy count leader. And like this was way, you know, this was years ago when I, when I first started streaming and I made a go for it. I was about to say, like, few people will remember that what? time. Like, yeah, you're always had, on the top. <laughs> yeah, and I had, like, the, you know, I had the ridiculous win rate. I, you know, I peaked at, like, 80, like 88% win rate or whatever. You know, so I don't want to pull up those VODs. But basically, you know, that, my secret to that one was Mono White, was White Weenie, and the secret to that deck was the Lightning Greaves. And back then, Lightning Greaves would always go so, so late. And that was, that was the tech. Like, that's what really did it for me. And also, I mean, the other side of it's true, too, especially in a white deck, which is the haste is super relevant. In other words, you know, white, one of the issues sometimes White Weenie has is it can't get over that hump. 
And so every turn, every top deck then being able to potentially be a threat, one, means you might get some extra turns out of your opponent. They might not be as aggressive as they normally would be because they're like, oh, are they going to top deck a relevant threat that I have to block or something like that? Or two, it just means that you're, you're still in business. And it's, it's a card kind of like Elspeth like that, where Elspeth obviously lets you jump over stuff, but, but it just gives you a little bit more late game reach. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I believe I have seen you slap these griefs on a Goblin Welder before as well. It's also a pretty cool thing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and Rofalos. I mean, it has so many uses. You know, Rofalos and all sorts of other stuff you can do with it. I've I've had lots of experience with it, but yeah, Lightning Greaves can do a lot of work in a lot of different scenarios. I just I, I think it's the best in Selesnya type decks. I'm I'm very happy you talked about it because. Yeah, not not everybody likes it as much as you, uh, but it's well known that you love it that much. And just hearing your arguments. Is- <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So last but not least, of course, probably the most obvious pick is we got to go with Thraby Baby, the Thraven Inspector, <laughs> the one-two skippity do is like <laughs> my probably signature. If you if yeah if if anyone ever did like a mock-up and wants to do like some if we have any artists out there, I would love to get a. A picture of, of like an altered Thraven Inspector, something like that. I love that creature. It's like it's it's something that I think now is commonly known as as like one of the better creatures in in Cube. But when I first started talking about it and talking it up, I would often be the subject of a lot of ridicule, especially in Twitch and stuff like that for it, uh, or even on Twitter. But now I think people recognize the power of it. And it's even gotten better over the years because you have creatures like Luminarch Aspirant now. In other words, going turn one, one, two into turn two, two, three. You know, obviously it can, you know, it just does everything. It's a Swiss Army knife. You know, late game, it's going to draw you cards. Early game, it's got a two booty can block or it can trade with, you know, a monkey and still have value. It's something you can blink. It's something you can reanimate and get value off of. It's something that can hold a sword. It's something that can pressure a planeswalker. You know, it's it's something that you know it's it's Teferi's worst nightmare. That's for sure. What are you gonna do? Return it to your hand? <laughs> what are you gonna do? Yeah. So the, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's on the case. So uh, I I just love Thraven Inspector. I think it's absolutely, and it's a white creature, so it gets the buffs from you know the uh, two man enchantment, whatever that's called. Um, yeah, Honor the Pure. It gets buffs from you know. There's other white pumpers in there, so. You know the three, three for three, Bandalish Marshal, whatever. Oh, and on human. top of that, yeah, it's a human, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it, it just does. It's it it does so much and asks so little for one man. It's it's yeah, it's it's definitely first pick, first pack vintage. I've done that, and I I've, I believe I have first pack, first picked it over Mana Drain and Vintage Cube and one. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. Mana Drain's good, but. I would say that uh, blue being overdrafted and white being underdrafted in Vintage Cube is part of why that is a legit strategy. But mm-hmm. well, also, I <laughs> it's mean, a cool most card. People, I like it. I think it's commonly referred to now as the White Ancestral Recall, and I think that's a fair. <laughs> I think that's pretty I think, fair. I think you coined that one, maybe. Um, but so, yeah, that's 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 um. You know that's got to make my list, uh, and if it were top to bottom, I'd say it's probably the number one. Makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Huge. There's ever so, a Jabru invitational card. We know that uh, <laughs> it'll be good. <laughs> exactly. Right. Or maybe like another frame inspector for every color or something like that. <laughs> yeah, we already have hard evidence, but 
Yeah, hard evidence is good. It's okay. It's not. I, I think it's different. A lot of people make a comparison, but having a creature that can be blinked or reanimated, like it's it's such a different scenario. On the other yeah. hand, I should also say KubeCon, although it's delayed because of COVID, is still being worked on, and we're looking at probably early 2022, maybe April 2022 or something. Uh, so just a plug for that. It'll be the best four days in cubing, a uh, whole convention around cubing. So that's coming. Awesome. If there only weren't uh, an ocean between us, then uh, <laughs> I would consider going there. <laughs> well, we'll see. Maybe your listeners will sponsor a trip or something. We'll work it out. <laughs> Yeah, let's see. I mean, international travel also needs to be like a bit, needs to relax a bit for that to be an option. I don't know. It's mm -hmm. it's currently a bit of a headache. Yeah. So we know you don't have infinite amount of time, and though recently there have been quite a few really cool cubes on Magic Online. So why don't you pick your favorite out of those and tell us which it is and uh, what you liked about it. Um, yes. So let's go over them right quick. We had, what do we have? Teamer, Bant, Classic, Legacy. What am I missing? There's one more in there, right? No, I think those are those. Those four. Yeah. Okay. Of those, probably, oh, it's a tough choice. I know they were all good. They're all very good. Probably Classic was would take the take the stake for me because it was just so complex and so interesting and and there's i think there's a lot more to explore that if i with all of them i wish we had more time it's also one that utilized the depletion lands which i really appreciate and i wish there's more of oh that's cool to hear go ahead t yeah what are you thinking Yeah, I'm, 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 no, I just want to hear more about it. It's the only one that I couldn't play because I had a lot of moving stuff in that, in that week and a lot of work also, so I missed out on that one. I read about it and read articles and uh, heard about it. And I'm a little bit surprised that you chose it here because what, from what I gathered, it's very combo-focused. And sure. I have... In my mind, you were not really like the the number one combo player. Like I rarely ever see you doing the splinter twin thing. Absolutely, no. I'm I'm definitely not a combo leaning, you know, towards a person. But I liked it, and and yeah, it's it's that's a good point. But I think that I don't know. I just I just feel like there's so much to explore there, and so much intricacies and. Shout out to Ryan Sachs for all the work he put in. But really what, what, what really gets me is the fast lands, and especially depletion lands. I just love any cube like that, and it's just a really fun strategy, I think. But at what cost? You know, so that's, I don't know. There's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great, um, great thing about this. Yeah, too. and I, I wish, uh, yeah, I just, I wish we had more time with these cubes. I wish there was more time to explore them. But I think I would say the, the classic cube Mostly also because I just didn't have enough time to really dig into it and check out all the options that, that it afforded beyond, you know, what's kind of the surface level stuff. And that's my favorite. My favorite part about cubing is one of my favorite aspects to it is being able to explore the intricacies and stretch the boundaries of what the experience actually is versus, you know, just what it looks like on the surface. Yeah. And I'll give an example. Like, The first cube I ever did was my friend Tom invited me. He was one of the pioneers of the cube community here in Milwaukee. Shout out to Tom, DJ2Sarcastic. And he invited me 
over and it was my first time playing i drafted a teamer cube deck that had that basically every match i i 306 it so i didn't lose a game but i was able to easily infinitely combo each time because i had is it chronarch i had time walk i had five mana time walk plow under eternal witness mana war to like blink my eternal witness and then i think crystal shard i think i had uh some mm, other yep. stuff but Basically, I was just able to like explore, and I had explore and stuff to ramp my mana. So I was able to like time walk early and ramp my mana early, and then get to the stuff that allowed me to like just rebuy it every time. And it's just, yeah, it's just a unique magic experience. We don't get that sort of, you know, that that sort of experience very often. I I just, yeah, I geeked out over it, and I, I was hooked from the jump. And that's that's why I think Cube is so special. It is it lets you explore realms of the magic universe that you don't often get to travel and in really unique ways as well yeah trying to you know new cube like keep the eyes open for cool synergy and uh, hidden decks is like one of the best things ever exactly exactly yeah a lot of my cube building has to do with trying to go into places that most cubes don't and i feel like that if I'm understanding correctly, is part of the reason you enjoyed the classic cube so much. Mm-hmm. I'd also, I'd love if you could talk a little bit more about um, the depletion lands. And I don't know if there's a name for the other cycle, but the lands that you can crack for uh, two mana as well. Yeah, I don't remember what those are called, but, um, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, they all come into play tapped and tapped for one color, and or instead you can also tap and sacrifice them for two of the shard um, opposite sides. Mm-hmm. No, not shard. Um, the wedge of the opposite wedge, side. Yeah. I think it's the, the, the enemy colors of that respect. So the white one would uh, give you red and black mana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like um, original sacklands, the internet is calling them. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, interesting. I never heard that before. Okay. Well, I yeah. So I'm more. I'm a little more towards the depletion than these original sack lands. But um, basically, the idea is that being able to go turn one like depletion land into a turn two rabble dabble, for example, is just so powerful. Or going turn one depletion land, turn two something into a turn three four drop. Or even if you have two depletion lands, you know, going like turn three you know, whatever, and usually that sort of line is reserved for green, and it does give green more redundancy and the ability to do it even more so, but one of the really powerful things is when you can do it in other colors and kind of break that color pie, because obviously historically green is the color of ramp, so when for, for not for free, but for no mana you're able to, or no mana up front anyway, although you do have to sack them eventually, they deplete, but when you're able to then go forward and get a, a discount on your Elspeth, you know, getting your Elspeth out really early or whatever, you know, Gideon, whatever, or Baneslayer, you know, going turn three Baneslayer off of two depletion lands is just super powerful. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's, it's a really interesting balance and dynamic, and it's like, are you going to risk it for the brisket? Because, you know, you're also kind of leaving yourself so exposed at Doomblade, and you're out of you just or sacrificed so much for it, um, and I yeah I think it's it's kind of like that all in type it's it's you know kind of like Texas Hold'em magic, 
And I like that. I think it's a lot of fun. And I also think there's a lot of interesting things you can do with that extra mana that if you if you really push your deck, you can kind of think about. Now, the sack lands, or the original sack lands, rather, are it's a little different, um, but they offer a unique opportunity for fixing as well. So if you have, like, a really complex need, you know, if you're... If you're Mana needs are really complex. I think there's a lot of cool things you can do in that regard as well. So yeah, I'm I'm a huge fan. What what do y'all think about them? Yeah, it's it's super interesting that it really changes the environment and it like it throws the curves all over the place because you are not spending the one mana on the turn because it comes to play tapped, so you can't play that elf on the turn after. If you would have played the elf, it's the same. But as you said, not every color has elves, obviously. But it just really like turns everything upside down, and uh, yeah, it really changes the environment. And I wonder, uh, I heard that one of the the issues were that people didn't really adapt to them, didn't really pick them highly enough, and sometimes they went very late and weren't played. Uh, I was wondering what would happen if they would go in an even lower power level environment, how that would shake out. Like that would yeah. just be a very different cube, obviously, but would also be like another new different experience it's a great question yeah i think um in terms of them not being drafted very highly something i heard uh, i think from ryan Sachs was that the people who thought the depletion lands and sack lands were good are the people who drafted them and those people were happy with how they performed and the people who thought they were bad did not draft them and they were unhappy with how they performed <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah all right yeah that can that can happen definitely a funny one um it seems to me like they are probably strongest in mono red and mono white the red depletion mm -hmm. land and white depletion land would be because like you mentioned um Jaybro, like green already does a lot of that like they're strongest as a color pie break i've played a ton of aggro in these cubes probably more than anyone should and i like i've played lotus petal I'm not happy about it, but I've run it in the aggro decks. I played Rite of Flame in one of these spotlight cubes a while back in my mono red deck, and I was actually really happy with it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like a prowess trigger that also like gets you ahead on curve. I mean, could talk about that more another time. But yeah, I think, I think these lands, they look bad, <laughs> but that doesn't mean that they are, right? And that's... Well, the, the difference between a turn three Koth and a turn four Koth is significant right sure it's way more than a turn four to a turn five cost you know what i mean right for and example you can also use them for comboing yep like very well that's how the the ones from invasion block were were used they were just used in storm originally i believe yep but mm. so many of the players playing on magic online probably don't even remember that and don't know that feeling. I just know about these decks and them being played there. I have never experienced it myself. And then you can, if you, if you don't have any experience with these kind of cards, they, they look a bit weird. And I can sympathize with people being skeptical. And it's even more so now because you had so much that could untap your land. Right. So it's even more the case. But yeah, they used to be used back then for that purpose because going off a turn early was the difference between life and death in those decks. Yeah. Victory, well, defeat. Well, and I'll say one other cool little thing about that cube was there's another infinite combo piece that I really liked, which is the land that taps for one Carlos or Sackett for two, and then mm -hmm. Fast Bond and Crucible, and then the 2-4 that gains you a life each time. Um, uh -huh. So that was like, I 
got to go infinite mana with that little four mana combo. So it's hard to construct. It's not really what it's only colors, it's not green, but that was still fun. Yeah, so, that's anyway. definitely a student. Crystal Vein, I think, is the one yeah, you're talking Crystal about. Vein. And it's exactly. also I think the rest enter tapped, right, from that cycle. And yep. yeah, I mean that's definitely a drawback of like the depletion land. Or wait, you know, the um sack lands. And actually, yeah, the depletion lands too. But I think, yeah, I mean, like you pointed out, just getting like a really impactful like three through like five mana spell coming down early. I think you're probably right, and it's enough to offset not having access to the mana later and not having access to, you know, all your mana the turn you play that land that enters tapped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed you were playing a lot of combos, if I remember correctly, when Ryan Sax's cube was online. I think I remember at least a couple times opening up your stream and seeing you playing the persist combo. Yeah, I mean, that that one uh, I, I played around a lot more. It's hard not to inside of a combo cube because mm-hmm. of the nature of it, and Ryan's is the second combo cube I've had the chance to check out. But it's it's kind of hard not to, but yeah, I mean, I I got to explore a lot of it, but I still feel like there's a lot left. Anyway, I should get rolling pretty soon, uh, so I got to... Yeah, good. Yeah, uh, knock thank out. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, thank you guys, and thanks for all you do for the cube community. I mean, it's not uh, half as much as you do, but we do our <laughs> best, and we love cube, and um, we can all only aspire to love it as much as you do. <laughs> Very good. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, I think I learned a bit from you coming on, too. I mean, I played plenty of Thraven Inspectors in my white decks, but now I'm going to be looking for that Lightning Greaves if it comes around, and who knows, maybe we'll even oh, get man. Thraven. Maybe we'll Thraven even get Inspector and Lightning Greaves? Oh my gosh, that deck is broken. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Do you think All we'll right. get a Thraven reprint in um in the new Innistrad set? That'd be pretty sick, right? Oh I'm yeah, absolutely. Right. I hope so. All right. Like well, you. appreciate you guys, and we'll talk soon. That sounds yeah. good. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming Thanks. on. All right. Yeah, that was just great. That was the energy this man has. The energy <laughs> this man has is so uh, something special. Yeah, definitely. Where do you want to move now? I mean, we still have some cubes to talk about left. Right. And those I played, actually, so that's that's great. <laughs> yeah, I'll say one more thing about the classic cube, which is kind of a another common criticism that people had, like with the fast mana that we were talking about. People expected, you know, cards like Mana War as they went to uh, draft this classic cube. But classic, I believe, is actually referring to an old name for a constructed format. Um, yeah. So, like the historic of Magic Online when uh, they didn't have all cards for Vintage yet. Right. So, another kind of parallel to the uh, <laughs> Depletion Lands, just like the people who got the reference, I think, appreciated it. And then the people who misunderstood the name of the cube, well, they were a little frustrated. But yeah. I mean, that's probably to be expected. I don't know if there's a clearer way to, like, maybe classic format cube that uh, it's a little Yeah, but though. naming cubes is hard, and sometimes <clears throat> you think of a name and s- stick with it, even though it's confusing. Like, my peasant cube is called Mad Peasant, and there's no madness in it, and um, I have not had anybody shout at me because of that, but it certainly can also cause confusion. I just assumed the madness came from you. Yeah, it's about the the people playing. <laughs> gotcha. 
Okay, uh, so which cube do you want to move on to? Should we go to Bant cube? For sure. Yeah, I think that was the first one of that series that was online, so yeah. Right. Yeah, so we did have the opportunity to draft this one together. This is another one, uh, speaking of that persist combo, that featured that. Lots of cool pieces for it, even ones you might not expect, things like lesser mast core, blasting station. And yeah, we ended up playing mono white. If you want to watch our draft of that, I'm sure I will throw the link for that up as well. Uh, and it was it a blast. Was it was a fun draft also, just um, you struggling with our eventual fate and ending up in mono-white. That was just, I don't know. If you if you want to see uh, Max struggle with himself during a draft, then uh, go and watch that one. I mean, I play, I already said, I play too much aggro. This is, you know, it is a problem for me. But if you go <laughs> back through our, like, guests on this show, so many of them also play a lot of mono-white. No short. Uh, Schwartz has uh, Team Jabro has two blave. I think he's more of an Orzov mage, but he's played a lot of it as well. I'm sure there are another uh, another one or two on there who also enjoy mono white. It's just, I mean, it's probably just the winningest archetype in, I would guess, Legacy yeah. Vintage. Yeah, just a bunch of the Magic Online cubes. <laughs> yeah, so I do also like to play aggro in cubes, but I at least like to add a little bit of green. Into my white deck, so green white. I really enjoyed it. And I played that a lot in Band Cube, and I also played it often in uh, the MTGA cubes. And I don't know, green white shitters is just so nice. <laughs> it's very often not strictly better than just playing mono white because yeah, your mana gets worse, and sometimes you stumble on it, and like you're not gaining all too much. But just this. Possibility of getting a little bit more synergy into that, be that making the bed stronger or, or not, I don't know. But yeah, just going, having opening up for a little more synergy just is, is great. In, in this cube, in the band cube, green white was very counter focused, and that's also often the case in the MTGA cubes. Mm -hmm. And it allowed for some really broken aggro starts, and uh, I really enjoyed that. Like, I once curved into killing my opponent on turn four even though they did have a little bit interaction i don't remember what it was but yeah sometimes the engine really comes together and you explode into a huge board just so <laughs> great like i don't know i for example playing uh playing the mikios the luminarch for um x equals zero having it live because it gets a plus one plus one counter from something else but actually it gets two plus four plus one counters because they get doubled, and then on the next turn you remove them, and it's just plus one plus one counters everywhere, and the opponent is very quickly dead. It's just a great feeling. I, I, I love doing that in that cube. It is really explosive. When you get the right pieces together, you can do insane things with the plus one plus one counter decks. We don't see very many of them. It's kind of hard to support, I think, in stuff like Legacy Cube and even Modern Cube. I feel like it could show up there and I don't know if it ever really has, but it's definitely, yeah, uh, it's definitely one of your favorites. I'm a big fan of just any form of the green-white shitters, but uh, yeah, the counters, that's definitely a sweet way to do it. Mikaeus on zero, too. That's always a chef's kiss. Yeah, um, and Autumn really enabled doing that by really limiting the mass removal, the sweepers in the cube. It was not like white had like a million sweepers, no. The the sweepers were like six mana or something, or you had to be blue white for 
or the supreme verdict and just not jamming all of the possible removal spells into the cube that you could really opened up some spaces for synergistic creature decks and i don't know i really enjoyed doing that gotcha yeah, yeah uh, it was, i think it was really like deliberate decisions going into that and it was a great experience for me i don't know for everybody but i loved that cube that was my favorite out of the the, the bunch of uh, four reasons. or the three you got to draft right um, yeah, sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, also from I, I already just all, also from reading about them, it would have been my favorite. I think just because I'm into green white plus one plus one counter shitters so much that all of the other ones had lost at that point already. But it also <laughs> delivered to me in that experience. Right, that makes sense. I remember um, right at the beginning of the format. We had maybe something like four people with trophies, like day one, under like three hours in from this server. So really putting up some good numbers. Uh, also, yeah, and also the excitement level, like everybody jumping in immediately, and then uh, like out of the first six or so people that trophied uh, for the no, Discord server. Right. Yeah, that was cool. And speaking of, if you, uh, you know, are putting up a bunch of trophies or if you're someone who has drafted the cube zero times, regardless, if you're enjoying listening to us, if you want to be part of the community, come on in. The Discord link will be in the description and we always love to have new people join us. Another thing, so I noticed a lot of people were on mono blue decks uh, that were pretty successful, maybe not quite as successful as the... uh, Mono white aggressive decks or green white counter stacks, but a lot of oh, I blue... think they probably were very, very, very good. Just because I had such a good time with green white, I wouldn't say it was broken or anything. Yeah, that that's true. I do think mono white was probably the closest to broken, at least that I saw. But at the same time, I did see people doing really well with mono blue artifacts and mono blue storm. So both pretty exciting things to see. Mono blue is not something that comes together very often in most cubes, just because blue is so sought after you usually run out of playables and need to dilute the deck a little bit with different color yeah i think going mono blue also wasn't trivial in the cube just blue is very very strong in cubes traditionally and even if that is not the case in one of these spotlight cubes just it's always with one of the format like we will never get uh, further than that and if perception of people is that blue will be great then many people will be drafting it no matter what yeah for sure and it's really hard to make blue i don't know seem anything less than great <laughs> but i'd like to if you're ready transition to the teamer cube with something that um caleb d actually said about both of these cubes so caleb d talking about something that you mentioned a little bit just the balance of the the band cube and like the card choices feeling very like deliberate and you know well thought out but he did say that the teamer cube was closer to his like sensibilities and it's the kind of thing he enjoyed drafting more and i believe that came on the week after uh the band cube yep um and yeah this is the second time that we've seen the teamer cube pop onto magic online and you know caleb d's comment might have implied that the teamer cube was not extremely balanced, but it was actually much more balanced uh, than we saw the first time around. I think the first time it was semi-powered, so you didn't have the original Power 9 in there, but you did have cards like Library of Alexandria and Mana Crypt, uh, at least as far as I can recall. And this time around, things were 
you know, <laughs> I don't think semi-powered anymore. Things were well. Yeah, in some ways. I mean, you still had had the old uh, time twister in there, and channel was added this time to buff green, which had a bit of a problem in the in the first go round. And I don't necessarily love the addition of channel. Um, it sure boosts the the power level of the green decks on average, but is it? I ever having really fun just turn oneing an Eldrazi uh, or turn twoing an Eldrazi? I don't like that's not for me. But I know some people do enjoy it, and this cube really has improved a lot. Like the first time around, there were a little bit too many things that got me a little frustrated. The first time around, I felt like there was a lot of hate for different archetypes, very strong cards that completely shut stuff out. This time around, it was a little less. And also the extremely swingy cards were less 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 prominent. And this, it was just a very good experience. And it really shows how great it is to have these spotlight cubes return after a while. Giving the people the opportunity to, once they get the data and the feedback, to incorporate them. And it's just wonderful to see that. And how these cubes can grow. And like... This is what everybody who builds a cube wants to get from uh, their cubing community, the feedback uh, to build into that, but the sample size is just completely different. And, mm -hmm. and the feedback is probably a lot more harsh if you have it on Magic Online, so you need to have a little bit of a thick skin to, uh, to have your cube on Magic Online, I think. I could really That's understand true. people saying, oh, no, I'd rather not. But um, yeah, we, we had some brave people um, showing their work, and also really profiting from that so spotlight cubes are amazing that's true yeah definitely glad that we got so many and i agree with you too that um you know this is a big improvement for this one over the last time we saw it and i think yeah so it's kind of funny would you consider channel like a semi-powered card like i my instinct is yes right it's i don't know almost reminds me of like mana drain or something where it's like <laughs> just has the potential to generate like an absurd amount of mana for not very much. Yeah, it's just one of those cards that just in most cases, when you have it early, just ends the game. Right. Similar to like like a mox in a way. Yeah. Because you need to have the mox early also to really generate this broken advantage. If you draw it on turn 10, then it's almost like a basic land. Very slight difference. Speaking of the mox, to use a pun and a horrible segue, thinking back to jmm picking splicer over channel in the box and i don't know like it's not that we can conclude from that pick that like channel is not an absurdly powerful card right no it just doesn't necessarily lead into a strong deck it leads into a deck with broken draws and game over moments but that's not necessarily what you are going for if you are trying to win the box that's true yeah I think, I don't know, it reminds me the inclusion of channel. Uh, if you remember a version of my Peasant Cube from a while ago, I had um, Song of Frailies in there as one of the few ways of really strengthening green because I thought that green needed yeah. a little boost. And it's just, <laughs> I don't know, it's really not how things should be done, I think. Like Song of Frailies yeah. in my Peasant Cube, like when you draw it, like, yes, it does completely like run over the opponent. Is that really like a good experience? I think a much better way, though a much more difficult one, of improving 
green in that cube was just to give each card a slight power boost if possible. Like upgrading many small upgrades, I think is you know more like well-rounded than one big one. Yeah, that is true. But it's a very common, I would say, it's not necessarily a mistake to make, but I would say it's a common trap that you can find yourself in. It's not like always a mistake, but I did the same thing in my peasant cube with uh, Mother of Runes, which is also often oppressively strong card that doesn't lead to very fun games, I would say, just shutting out interaction from the opponent. Uh, but I had it in there because I really wanted the uh, green-white to be an aura deck, and they needed some protection against removal. But that's just not how it played out in the end. Any white right. deck took it. It was always great. And the green deck, if there even was a green-white deck, it might not have seen it. And yeah, it's just putting like single cards in there to boost this or that. Maybe on average it boosts it, but it doesn't have to make the cube better. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. Um, and I think you were talking earlier about hate cards that we saw the first time around in this cube. I mean, some were still there, like, I don't know, Flusterstorm. I don't feel like it's that great of an experience to have the gotcha moment of having the Storm deck uh, go off and then in the end you just counter it for one blue. Yeah, I was thinking out. of... You know, um, shifting ceratops. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that one might be in there too. I know I saw it in it one is. of the uh, shard cubes. Yeah, and yeah, that's another one. That's just like no, it doesn't instantly win you the game the way like Fluster Storm can if you're playing Storm and then there's just nothing you can do after that. But yeah, <laughs> the ceratops can definitely be a rough one if you're on mono blue or something like that. So yeah, um, it's the like. In a way, I can understand it, because it's embracing the idea of having only three colors, so these colors should matter, in a way. Okay. I think that's the idea, just embracing the colors you have, and then there's a lot of, like, color-hate cards in there. Um, For sure. To a degree. And, yeah, I, it's not my philosophy, but I can um, understand it. And, I mean, it's good that there isn't choke in there or something like that. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even think of that one. Or like boil or something. <laughs> oh yeah, both. And then boiling seas also, just for good measure. <laughs> well, why not? Yeah, no. Um, okay, so are we ready to talk about the Legacy Cube? Or Yeah. Okay. So, have you been enjoying it? Have you been playing I it? haven't gotten a chance to draft it, but I've seen uh, some people play it. I've been watching Caleb D play it a lot. I think I've seen Jabro play it now and then. But yeah, yeah. I'm I think you've gotten a chance to draft it, or at least you've implied that you have, because you said Classic Cube is the one you didn't get to draft. Yeah, exactly. I've, I don't know, I've drafted like four or five times, I believe. And yeah, it's going decently. Yesterday, I had the chance to play against Caleb and was like very excited and nervous. I was seeing his name pop up and assuming that he would be streaming this. I was on my, on one of my, um, in Legacy and Vintage Cube Signature decks, I would say, five-color aggro, <laughs> like <or laughs> mid-range aggro-ish. Like, it's more mid-range, but I'm trying to lean aggressive. And I'm very often trying to do the thing that Jabro talked about with uh, turn one mana dork into a turn two, three mana planeswalker or some other sticky strong threat like Rebel Master or something like that. Right. And yeah, I played against him and uh, it turned out it was on stream. 
and I did manage to uh, eke it out, and that felt very good. But directly uh, in the games after that, I punted away the game very badly. Like there was one thing my opponent curved. I don't hundred percent know which one he played. They played first. It was a, a giver of runes into a mother of runes into something else. And I was on the play. It was already game two. I had turn one Arbor Elf, and my turn two wasn't very exciting, but I had the turn three Master of the Wild Hunt ready. Mm. And that would have been very good. And my chance of handling those pesky protection givers. <laughs> but yep. I tapped my mana and very quickly untapped with Arbor Elf. And because I lacked out, I, according to Magic Online, untapped an already untapped land. So I ended up one mana short. <laughs> then it was just over. I, there was no way of getting back into it to, uh, yeah, it was just then all, all to soul. I'm not sure if I would have actually won that game, I'm not even talking about the match, if that had happened, but I would have had a fighting chance. Um, I was going to say, like, you said that you punted, but, you know, if you didn't punt on stream, then it never happened. But then you described something which doesn't even sound like you punted. It just sounds like Magic Online, you know, like... Yeah, but I know that there's a risk there. I should have just did it more slowly. Just because I had a good answer, it's no... It can take the two seconds to see if the mana adds up in my pool. (laughs) Ones that would never happen in paper feel so bad. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, but there's also the the classic misclick of just tapping it and the forest being untapped the whole time. I've done that too. That also feels bad. But this one was just, I don't know. I couldn't even really be mad, but... It sounds disappointing, if nothing else. Um... Anyway, but I had good experience playing playing this deck. Just picking fetch lands and... Which I still say fetch lands are just broken. Um, <laughs> fetch lands and duels or shocks of any color and then filling it out with whatever comes. And I, I really love doing that because there's always some strong like mid-range or aggressive threats in all of the colors going late because somehow people don't really love to play those and just first building the mana base and then dropping in there whatever mid-rangey aggressive threats you can get uh, that's just the way i love to draft um, the legacy cube sure i will say kind of tying the classic cube back in it seems like black has gotten some power boosts in the legacy cube recently because I've seen more like mono black decks or just decks featuring black cards, I feel like, than I usually do. It seems like black is normally kind of the least loved color in cube. You don't really see mono black decks that often, like neither aggro nor control. You don't see like blue black, for instance, as often as you would see like blue white. Yeah, the reanimator decks often in the cards. And it's, right. I would say, pretty strong. I drove it within this legacy cube once with, with reanimator. Um, yeah, like I think Entomb is just one of those cards that really can really lead to broken games in the yeah. Legacy Cube. Like, yeah, it's so good, it's not even fun to do. I don't know, <laughs> it can be turn two, turn three, game over. I don't know, if yeah. you're up against a, a monocolored deck and you, you get that Iona in there, then it's just, I don't know, what are they going to do? It's true, Entomb, it's just kind of like. Well, it's like two effects in one, right? Because it's the fatty and card outlet, but it's also like, you know, a tutor for whichever fatty is best. (laughs) 
Yeah. That's pretty strong. I actually, going back to the classic cube, I did draft this cube and I tried to put the artifact deck together. I learned a couple things. One, it definitely cannot support multiple people in a pod. Even though I got some pretty late cards for that archetype, I could tell somebody else was drafting it and did not work out well for me. And two, it feels like reanimator is just a stronger thing to be doing. Like I tried to do the whole like goblin welder, like sundering titan shenanigans, and it just... It just seemed like I should have been trying to play like blue black reanimator. Like I would have gotten much stronger, more consistent deck. Even though I actually, I think I did have, oh yeah, um, I think I sent a picture of this in the Discord too. One game where uh, with the Goblin Welder, my opponent played like small stone coil or something like that, or maybe it was milled somehow. And then they were also playing an artifact deck, and I got to use the Goblin Welder to kill every single artifact they controlled. Oh, that is dirty. <laughs> Definitely not using the card as intended, but uh, it was a lot of fun for me. I think my opponent scooped after their Golos got killed. It was like the fifth artifact of that game or something, but <laughs> did notice a mono black vampire deck that Caleb D was playing against the other day that looked actually really strong, which made me happy. And yeah, I think, oh, well, there's one change to the legacy cube that I'm sure you will not be very happy about either, which is that it seems like the Monarch, our favorite mechanic, is more prevalent than ever. Oh yeah, I have lost a game yesterday to Palace Jailer being blinked, and that certainly does not feel all too great. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, I think someone was talking about doing that too, with like a Charming Prince or something recently. Yeah, it doesn't really matter what you blink it with. Like the first time is already dirty, and the second time oh, is yeah, just game for over. sure. Kind of reminds me of the card from like Midnight Hunt. There's a new Fiend Hunter effect, and it can also exile multiple creatures. But the Palace Jailer, I mean, there's no touching how broken that thing is, and it kind of begs the question of like, what is the intention with these cubes? Right? Is the goal like to include the most powerful cards, like in the respective formats and the most powerful strategies? Or is it to do that, but fun is the first priority? Yeah, it's always within reason. It's just like catering to the what what people are expecting, but just trying to still make it fun. I mean, the jailer in particular, like that's one that was like shadow banned from Vintage Cube, right? And now we're seeing it in Legacy Cube. Like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I and don't also, know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe maybe whoever cut it thought it's not that great because I believe the last time it was back in. I think I mean the funny thing about Palace Jailer is that like it can lead to you know a bunch of punts from both sides and like obviously from the opponent's perspective you think oh if I kill the fiend hunter I get my creature back but no it's not really how it works and then like from the perspective of the person like playing yeah. the Palace Jailer you know you can think oh I can let this creature hit me it's like well no you, you really can't so I don't know. Yeah, it's like you put somebody in jail, and if the jailer dies, then you have to stand guard yourself. <laughs> Pretty as much, yeah. <laughs> um, I do hope we move away from the Monarch. I don't know if that'll be very likely. I know Fall from Favor got added into, and I think Court of Bounty is still in there. Probably, like... Oh, yeah. I, I had a fun game, though, this week also in Legacy Cube, where my opponent Fall from Favor, just some random creature of mine, but I managed to uh, let the mill out with the Monarch. 
Like they were already relatively low on cards, and just my draw just so line up that with with my parallax wave, I could buy just enough time for them to die to their card. I mean, I think I think that's one hundred percent deserved. I think if you lose to your own monarch, then <laughs> then you got what you <laughs> what you asked for. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was certainly fun, but it was also close. Like it's not like they had nothing in their deck to 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 win, but I just picked it out and it was sure, a great feeling. I bet. I've had some great uh feelings in like the popper cube. Hint hint, uh wizards, please put that one back on Magic Online. With the Thorn of the Black Rose or whatever, where it's like my opponent plays that, mm-hmm. I have like a really good start like tempo wise and I'm able to steal the monarch. The only thing better than like playing the monarch and like retaining it for a long time is stealing it from your opponent and then retaining it for a long time like that's <laughs> that's such a fun one yeah but i think those memories really stay with you because most of the time it's just such a horrible experience playing oh, i mean it. i have seen so many games where people just concede to the other player becoming the monarch because they just can't be bothered and just don't i want to just want to make sure that people know that we are not really advocating for it, even though it can lead to... Oh, some yeah. No, I think I think the Monarch is fun in multiplayer and should probably be left at that. It's not the most powerful against me in particular because I am a pretty dedicated... Always on natural. <laughs> exactly. I'm a pretty dedicated Boros mage uh, in these Eternal Format cubes. But in general, like you said, I do think it basically leads to games that aren't fun. Like if you're playing a deck that not capable of forcing the pressure through then you're just kind of staring at your opponent drawing an extra card for free every turn and you can't interact with it and that's a bummer so anyway do we want to talk a little bit about midnight hunt or anything more to add about legacy yeah about midnight hunt my first impression was how does this day night thing work (laughs) i i did figure it out and i think it will play very nicely but just, I think it's not possible to figure it out from reading the cards. Yeah, I think it's very unintuitive. I was so confused. I saw, I saw the the daybound, nightbound um, flip cards, and just nowhere on the front side it even mentioned how these things flip. <laughs> it's just sure, like even in the reminder text of the daybound, it doesn't it doesn't appear. You have to have this day or night card to get. Well, everything explained there. And I don't know, that feels a bit weird. Like, there is a lot of, like, a lot of hidden text. Like, maybe they, they got the criticism of recently too much text being on the cards, and then they said, well, then we just don't write there anymore. <laughs> we can figure it out yeah. elsewhere. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of, like, well, one, we just mentioned the Monarch, but also Dungeons. Yeah, but on Dungeons, I think there was a little bit more explained on the cards. Well, yes and no, right? Like, you needed the dungeon cards themselves to, like, map out the changes. And here, like, day and night do most of that heavy lifting. But, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I feel like, functionally, like, in the game, it'll probably feel much better than the original Werewolves because it was so easy to get, you yes. know? It's like, okay, I'm passing my turn. I could play something, but I really need to flip my Werewolves. And then your opponent's like, end of turn you know, literally anything, and suddenly you just passed your turn for no reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's great that that disappeared. Also with the day and night bound, that everything is always flipping at the same time, and, like, it's not possible to, like, have one werewolf stuck 
on the night on the day side while all others are flipped and keep flipped and i don't know it's well, very nice it's all synced now caveat being all werewolves from midnight hunt <laughs> because once you yeah, have sure yeah if you play with the old ones again but i mean in its limited environment i think it will play out very well yeah yeah no i agree with that i also think it's really flavorful right like it doesn't make sense to have you know that board state that you were describing one werewolf who thinks it's day and the rest are you know flipped to the night side um, <laughs> yeah one is still like hiding in the house didn't realize right. the full moon's out no, didn't everybody's having out. fun outside and they are still sitting <laughs> on the kitchen table twiddling the thumbs <laughs> exactly yeah that's the image i got too yeah i think i think it will play out well it just kind of feels clunky because at least to me because i think that if they had just implemented this the first time if they had come up with this design which i do think is better then i don't think we yeah. would feel kind of the jarring change and like the confusion because i think most of the confusion comes not only from uh like the fact that the text isn't on the cards but the fact that like we're moving from all previous ones right exactly something that's like pretty similar and people are like oh yeah so this is how it's different it's like well actually you might want to reread that there are a couple more differences <laughs> yeah but it's now fixed and i think it's very good to do it this way the same as getting rid of the redirection rule it's always the same argument um mm. of not keeping your legacy problems but fixing it and going forward with a better idea and here it hurts much 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 less yeah. than the thing with the damage redirection to planeswalkers so i'm really looking forward to playing with it. i think it will play very smoothly in its limited environment right how it will look like when we play cubes it might be a little bit more complicated. Like, if you only have one, two of them in your cube, you always have to carry this day-night card with it or have to remember how it, how it works. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan for cube for this, like, from the, from the perspective of cube design, cube designer. But maybe those cards aren't even like, auto-includes. If you are playing multiple of them, then... I think it would be great. So do you want to talk a little about individual cards? I just would like, like to talk about one that I read and uh, Im immediately fell in love with. Well, it's one that doesn't have an official translation yet. Okay. Um, and it's an enchantment for uh, one in the black. And whenever one or more non-token creatures die, create a 2-2 two -two black zombie creature tokens uh, with decayed. This ability only triggers once each turn. And the creature with decayed can't block and when it attacks sacrifice it end of combat right. and yeah so my mind immediately went to to sacrifice decks um aristocrats decks aristocrat style decks and i think this is like a great combo piece in there just giving you the additional triggers like if you are sacrificing i don't know your young wolf you will get a, a token and then can sacrifice it again get another token and you can sacrifice those they even sacrifice themselves if you need to trigger something with it. Yeah, it's just great. I think it also will, will play very cleanly. Nobody will uh, run into any traps with that because those tokens they can't block. I think it's nice that it triggers also if your opponent's creatures dying, making it just a little bit more strong. But I think the, the in cube, the, the, the most likely application is in some kind of aristocrat sacrifice sure. deck. I mean, this is one of the cards that's, like, obviously a contender for my Peasant Cube with the, like, uh, Orzhov and Rakdos sacrifice strategies. And I think that, yeah, it does look pretty strong. I like that 
you know, can sacrifice like one thing on your turn and then one thing on your opponent's turn, or you can like use a kill spell for one of those turns, something like that. And I think the decayed design is really interesting too. It's a little bit annoying to me because it kind of reminds me of like a mass, I guess, where you have like just zombie tokens that are made a little bit more complicated than most other tokens we deal with, because I do think there will be a bunch of punts and like missed sacrifice triggers and also people like trying to block with, you know, things that can't block. Yeah. Yeah. I th yeah. I really think that this is a little bit of a headache for paper cube play, just different, again, another different uh, token type and another one that's very similar to one that already exists so the confusions there are unlikely as you said but yeah no i do think this is a really cool card too like you mentioned it reminds me a lot of oh gosh i'm not going to remember this card's name oh wait maybe i will liliana's devotee maybe the two three from a core set where it's a it pumps zombies power and then at the beginning of your end step if something died uh, you can pay one and a black and then make a zombie, 2-2 two, two zombie. It's not quite the same, doesn't require mana payment, only, you know, this one happens on any player's turn, but the fact that it's like making one zombie per turn, it's like turning any creature, well, this one is about non-token creatures, but regardless of who controls it, like a creature dying into a zombie, and that card was very strong. Yeah, they have nice synergy with uh, each other as well, because the devotee doesn't care if it was a token, exactly. so... Just the decayed is enough to trigger the devotee. And I think that'll be fun too with something like a, I don't know, a mayhem devil. Like you mentioned, like if you don't have the mana to sacrifice, uh, or maybe you don't even have the sack outlet to sacrifice zombie, like that happens organically. So it's kind of some nice value there. So I guess now I will talk about, well, I'll start with consider because this card, I mean, it's not very often that I design a card for fun. And it just so happens that I designed a card that is almost the same as Consider. I designed it maybe two months before, and now they're printing Consider. <laughs> so Consider is one blue mana for an instant that surveils one. So look at your top card, and then you may put it into your graveyard. And obviously, if you don't put it into your graveyard, then it remains on top. Then you draw a card. And the card I designed was called Read the Bone Singular. And it was one black for an instant that surveils one, you lose a life, and then you draw a card. Um, so my thinking was... Oh, I like this better somehow. <laughs> you know, that's actually not the first time I've heard that. Uh, it was kind of funny because I, <laughs> you know, I'm biased. I made my card, but I kind of do too. So the thing about consider is like, it's pretty much a guaranteed staple, right? Because anywhere opt sees play, no, it's not strictly better, but... It's better. <laughs> it's better by a lot. Anything that interacts with the graveyard, you know, yeah. things like Delve, probably not Dredge, but, you know, anything else, even whatever you call it, in this set, the ability that lets you cast something from the graveyard, I think Disturb, and also Flashback. Oh, yeah, Flashback's there too. Yeah, Disturb. It's a very cool yeah. mechanic. Right, yeah, I think I should come to Disturb next. But consider... I don't know. I have this hatred for this card because even though it's clearly really good, it just feels like opt is now a thing of the past. Like you really have to work hard to justify running opt in something anymore. Like for instance, my peasant cube, I've yeah. been looking for, you know, a blue or red cantrip at one mana that I really like for a while in addition to opt. 
So consider, you know, there isn't a huge problem there. But there is a huge problem in that, like, consider just does so much. And there's no, like, my black version, I mean, it's at least a different part of the color pie. And there's, you know, a small drawback in that losing a life. So it feels like there's actually like a reason to play one over the other. And black also, you know, can draw cards, does it at the cost of life. But we haven't really seen a black cantrip ever, maybe. So, or no, we have seen some, but, you know, not not this strong, maybe. So I don't know. That that was just kind of a <laughs> something I wanted to point out because it's not every day that uh, your card gets printed, even with some slightly different text. So that was exciting for me. Okay. so. I have one again. It's um, also for one blue, and I really like that card because I hope to include it in the Pyramid Cube, my super low power level cube. And um, it's a French vanilla card with only uh, keyword abilities on it. No, it is the Pantry Zombie. Okay. It's only spoiled in German, Vorratskammer Zombie. And yeah, it's for a single blue, uh, one three. Which is for the cube I'm talking about, maybe slightly ahead of curve. I would have preferred if this were just a 1 1. But it has defenders, so maybe that's okay. And has the ability of tap three untapped creatures you control. Look at the top card of your library, you may put that card into your graveyard. So it's a little bit similar. Like, what, what was the last one called we just talked consider. about? Uh, yeah, consider. So it does the, the smaller half of the consider for tapping three untapped creatures. But in my, in my pyramid cube, which is next. Super low power level peasant. There's like a tap untap theme. There's some inspired cards or um, stuff like that. Things that trigger when they get tapped. And this is just, it just looks bad enough to uh, warrant and include. And it also is, it looks interesting as a card. So I really hope it won't play um, too well once, once this set release rolls around. Because if it's too strong in this environment in the, its original set then it will probably be too strong for the pyramid cube <laughs> so i really hope this flops so it can uh <laughs> i'm pretty hope. confident it'll flop but even if it didn't i would say with extremely high confidence that it's not too good for the pyramid cube i think maybe if it fate sealed right if you got to look at your opponent's top card then <laughs> oh yeah then then it would be a real meanie. <laughs> <laughs> right. But no, I think I think this is an extremely safe inclusion for that cube. And yeah, no, I think this is kind of a fun one. It does make you work a lot more than Consider does to get your Surveil. And I think that's neat. And I also, I mean, I'm just a big fan of tap-on-tap synergies, stuff like Inspired. I remember, you know, my opponent trying to kill me with, uh, I think it was 4-mana 3-3, three, three, like, Inspired. Whenever it becomes untapped, put a plus-one, plus-one counter on it and sprout swarm and i was like you know what i'm not even mad in chaos draft because uh <laughs> you know if you you got the synergy then you can have the game win as well yeah it's just the problem is that that sprout swarm is just too good there so you don't need the synergy anymore but if you have your pantry zombie then you can Speaking of sprout swarm want to mention it one more time because it's somehow one of the best cards with werewolves that i have ever seen because it allows you to pass your turn right with no concerns whatsoever and then extremely easily cast two spells in one turn so <laughs> just in case you weren't totally sold on that card being busted there's a little bit more for you <laughs> i have not seen that interaction but um, we need to play more yeah. chaos <laughs> okay so i guess let's see i gotta find something next here oh so, 
I'll talk about another blue common, I suppose. Uh, this one is very borderline for making my um, peasant cube. I don't think it's quite good enough, but I'm hoping we'll see something that is. So we alluded to Disturb, and this card has it. It's one and a blue for a 2-1. It's a human peasant, so much like us with our peasant cubes, that is. And uh, it has Disturb for one and a blue. And what that means is you may cast this card from your graveyard transformed for its disturbed cost. So that's one of the things we're seeing a lot in this set with the knight mechanic and disturb things coming in on their backside, which, you know, normally we don't see a whole lot of that, at least in Innistrad with the double-faced cards. And yeah, looks like what is going to be attached to disturb is this text that says if it would be put into a graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. And the backside is a one-two flyer. And I think the like kind of safety valve um, by exiling stuff is really important, so you don't just, you know, recast the thing forever. It's interesting for my Peasant Cube, I think ultimately the stats are kind of in the wrong place, because I would love if it were maybe a 1-2 flyer that came back as a 2-1, because then I could kind of justify it for my blue-white flyers archetype, and then with blue-black, like, you know, milling itself and reanimating some things, there's definitely value in casting it from the graveyard, but I don't think it has quite enough going for it for the blue-white flyers deck, though maybe I'll try it anyway. We'll see. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting card. I don't know, it's probably not good enough for most things, but you are casting it from the graveyard, like casting spell from the graveyard if that matters anywhere, and all, all sides of that are relatively cheap, so it's a cool, really cool synergy piece, again, for building at relatively low power levels. I do like that yeah. card. I think Disturb is probably just going to be my favorite mechanic from the set. I really like... Yeah, and the naming. I love <laughs> the naming. Yeah. I don't know. The flavor is really yeah, home run. I think so, too. Yeah, it's just such a good value mechanic. And like you mentioned, I mean, the fact that it is a cast uh, enables a bunch of potentially pretty crazy things. And yeah, I am no. I know that Disturb is going to make an appearance in my Vega commander deck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway... Uh, any any cards you want to talk about next? No, that's uh, th these are my highlights okay. already. Oh, okay. One more thing to talk about before we wrap up. Thoughts on the slow lands? Um, I didn't even read them, so no, no thoughts yet. Sorry. <laughs> it, it, it's just the opposite of fast lands. Basically, it's if you have two or uh, yeah. more lands, they okay. enter untapped. Yeah, um, I see them now. Um, I think they are okay, but my, so. Something that I have often been thinking about is that what I like to do with fixing often is try to incentivize aggressive decks to be more than one color. So we just so we don't always see just mm -hmm. mono white, mono red, but like a bit, little bit more variety in these aggressive decks and not make fixing so easy for controlling decks. So five color dirtle. Yeah. Obviously, many things fall in the space in between, but the one thing I want to incentivize more, and the other thing it will just happen anyway, because the five color deck can get their fixing in other ways. So from my lens, I want For sure. the opposite side of the spectrum more in in uh, cube. I think so. Pain lens or fast lens are they are more interesting to me than. For sure. Yeah, I think that's a really like wise take. And I think that that's kind of how they'll pan out and constructed too. Like they probably will never make as much of an impact as the fast lands have. I think 
one of my big kind of gripes with uh, land cycles in general is that it feels like there are so many unfinished uh, cycles, yeah. uh, like just to one recent one, like campuses. I can't imagine that one being finished anytime soon, but I really wish it could be. And if you go back to a lot of the older magic sets, there are plenty of allied cycles that are unfinished as well. Uh, there's mm -hmm. also enemy cycles. Some of them, like it's just not nice. Yeah, Let's just finish them up, please. <laughs> <laughs> I do think I have a pretty high hopes that this one will get finished up with the next Innistrad set coming in like yeah. November or whatever. That seems about right. But I, yeah, I would love it if they just took some time to go back and finish things up. Maybe even in a commander product. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not picky. Just give me complete cycles of fixing, please. <laughs> I think that's pretty much it for today, right? Or I guess, oh, no, no, one more thing. Uh, might happen before you're listening to this. It might happen just after. Uh, but we have something extremely special. I think we can probably advertise it openly at this point, don't you? Yeah, I think we should. Okay, so drumroll. Jakob and I planned a chaos draft, quote-unquote, pro tour, if you will. So... Um... <laughs> I just... I mean, nobody's using that term anymore, so we can just grab it, right? Yeah, I think it is up for grabs. And what it's going to be, it's not actually like a whole huge tournament. But we host drafts pretty often in our Discord. And this time we are hosting a Chaos Draft with six players who are, you know, not players we play with very often in our server. They are professional players, they're streamers, people who have won tournaments that we haven't even competed in. So, you know really like a high degree of pedigree for these players extremely excited to draft with them i think we're all going to get really horrible decks <laughs> because oh yeah. yeah i mean there's no way they're going to pass this. there's no late Leon bombs. there's no yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no freebies on that one that's for sure oh yeah i don't think so but it's going to be so fun you know whatever the result ends up being like i would be you know I, frankly, one of the most fun drafts I've participated in, I went 0-3. And, and if that's the case here, I'm sure I'll be delighted with that too. <laughs> so I agree. I wouldn't be mad. But I'm really giving it my best, and I really want to win. Oh, yeah. A few games, if not the trophy. Well, I'll see you in the finals. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> that would be All right. crazy. Like, I don't know. I, I doubt that will happen, but if so, then... Um... We can we can talk about it for a while and yeah i will stream my side of the events but i can for sure see everybody watching their favorite side i believe other people will be streaming this so yeah pick your pick your favorite horse in this race and um yeah you will be soon seeing who who's who's in this event sure maybe you already know by the time you hear it <laughs> all right well, thank you for sticking with us throughout this episode. We've already mentioned our Discord a couple times. If you're on the fence about joining, go ahead. Uh, we don't have too many rules. We're super open to having anyone come in, whether you, you know, maybe you don't even know how to play Magic, but you're interested in learning. We have plenty of people who would more than love to tell you what they know about the game. And yeah, hope to see you there. Yeah, or maybe start a little bit higher if you want to build your first cube or want to try start playing cube. We are hosting cube drafts at no risk for you. <laughs> um, we'll need to have a Magic Online account, but that's about it. We lend out the cards. That's me. Yeah, you can play some Magic for free. That is something, right? 
Yeah, definitely cool. some value in that. Looking forward to uh, the Modern Masters draft coming up soon. Anyway. Well, that will be later after the recording. So if you're hearing this, you have to try to get into the next one where maybe something else will be drafted. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, everybody. Thanks again to Team Jbro for his guest appearance. Absolutely. Hope you yeah. all enjoyed that. Really appreciate him fitting us into his schedule. Yeah. And with that, uh, happy cubing. See you next time. Bye.